Hello, this is uh, Beyond the Pond. We're here with Arif, Terry, and me, Yosef. And for this episode, we're joined with a special guest. Joining us today is Monty Panasar, England cricketer. How are you today, Monty? Yeah, well, thank you for uh, inviting me on your podcast. I'm, I'm extremely well, and I'm looking forward to some of the debates that we're going to have because we've got a vast range of, um, you know, you're on the podcast. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's good. And I think, speaking of introductions, that's sort of a nice thing to start because one thing which you mentioned earlier is your your, your name isn't actually Monty it's uh, would you like to tell us what your yeah look my, my real name is Mansudan and that's my Sikh name and nickname when you're playing cricket everyone has a nickname uh, it, it, it was Monty and uh, little did I know it was a very British name Monty <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, which is really interesting because we've seen a lot of people you know entrepreneurs business people you know from the british asian community they've changed their first name to an english name because they just found it easier to be productive to, to get business deals done it was easier to make a lot more money when i spoke to these guys because of having a, an english name and for an entrepreneur it's all about you know their objective is to make money mm-hmm. right um so that's why we see a lot of big entrepreneurs you know they, they change their first name to an english name and it's, it's a very common thing in, in the business world yeah, I mean, isn't, I guess it leads to the question of, do you feel like uh, your, like having your name changed to Monty benefited you in cricket? That's a really good question. And I remember playing under 12th Bedfordshire match and uh, I was a left-arm seamer then. Always wanted to be like Wazzy Macram. <laughs> you can realise I, didn't, I didn't, didn't, get, didn't make it as a Wazzy Macram. Uh, he was my hero. Gosh, 92 World Cup. He was my hero. But I just, I just couldn't become... So I ended up becoming like a left arm spinner. And yeah, Monty stuck to me and I think um, it made it a lot easier. I see, I see a lot of pets called Monty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which is something I don't, I don't know if I should be proud of that. Yes. But uh, there's a lot of fans that come up to you and go, oh, you know what, I've got a pet dog and I named it after you, which is Monty. <laughs> so that's been quite popular. I've had a lot of children you know, named after me as well, young children. And uh, but 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 it's yeah I, I I think it does help I'm I'm not gonna lie I I think it makes it a lot easier because if if you're pronouncing a name which is easy to pronounce easy to remember people are gonna find it easier to come and talk to you um, especially if I had a longer name I, I think it would be yeah it would have been a lot more difficult. I'm almost on the opposite side of that because my name is Arif Islam, and I always make it clear I will unapologetically be myself, and I'm not gonna. And I don't think, to be fair, I don't think Arif is a very difficult name to pronounce anyway. But I would never change it just to accommodate others. Because I don't think it's much of a difficult compromise to say someone's name. And I understand that it can benefit you in certain ways. In, in business or in even work applications. You hear about people changing their names to get in jobs they thought they wouldn't be able to. But personally, I just think, maybe it's because of my generation, I think, be, if, be apologetically yourself. Don't shy away from it, and then whatever opportunities are meant for you will come your way. I, I, I understand that that is an issue, but I personally, I just, I would never change my name to make it seem more quote unquote English. Do you see your name as part of your identity? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Because I'm, um, yeah, my name's Af Islam. I'm a Muslim as well, so is a, I guess it does derive from an Arabic. I think it does derive from an Arabic saying, but. Yeah, it's just something. Personally, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change my name. What about if you guys were to have like kids well, and stuff? Yeah, but would you, for example, because you've got 
Arabic name. Yeah. Would it, do you think it would make it easier for you to get a job in, in the Middle East than myself? Because oh. I've got an English name and they've got like, oh, Monty, it doesn't really fit in our... But Arif, yes. That that's interesting. In but I think, then again, that's almost making generalisations as well, to assume um, just because I have a certain name that I will get in places... I'll have an advantage, which may not be the case. I mean, I, just, I think that's kind of what we're saying in general, though, is like, we really don't have, I mean, I guess there's probably statistics about it, that Raheem doesn't get the same opportunities as Ryan, but like, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but yeah. in certain places, maybe your name is more of a, like, my name is Terry, I might apply for a job and they'll be like, who's Terry? And then you could apply for it maybe in a country where they're like, oh, Arab. That's Maybe fair. I think that's what money's getting at. Yeah, so like if you drop, let's say you apply for a job in the Middle East and they say Arif um, Islam. Yeah, Arif Islam. They think, oh, he's Arabic and he's Muslim. Yeah, let, let's um, yeah, let's give him an interview. Yeah, uh, but then, but in the Middle East is a, another tricky one because I am South Asian, so I, I don't yeah, know I if it, it be, would really benefit me. Yeah, it could be a bit of a mindful, but I yeah. think okay, what it means because I feel like. There's almost like when they see the name, that's something they realize. Maybe for the interview, you don't get on beyond yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But they yeah. see the name on the CV, and maybe you get ahead of someone with a more like European name like Terry. And yeah. then like also just like, because I know when I go to Ethiopia, like if I, like forget even like names and stuff. We're sort of told me and my brother and my parents is we just don't speak. As soon as we speak, the game is given <laughs> up. Even if we no matter how good <laughs> yeah. we are, I see the language. We got English accents. Yeah. And I have signs when you go places. Obviously, not in English. They don't use Latin letters, so they say. But you read it. It says, "So price this for foreigners." Yeah. <laughs> <This>. <laughs> more expensive price. So it's also like sort of things like getting the cultures. And I mean, interested with the name. Like, what age were you when you went started going by like Monty in cricket? It was uh, age of 12, I'll be honest with you. It was my first game. Wow. Oh, my auntie used to call me Monty, and even at home, my parents used to call me Monty as a nickname. And by chance, you know, it was, I didn't know it was a, it's a British nickname, Monty, you know, and people think, is it Mon- short for Montgomery, Montague? It's <laughs> short for Monsudan. How's <laughs> that? How do you get that together? I would love it. I'd love it if, if your name was Montague Panasonic. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> That's why all the time, is it from Montgomery Burns, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh so you had, you got the name from cricket and then your family started calling you it or no before your family had, called uh, you yeah, it yeah I had yeah. it before as a nickname you know how every yeah. child has a little nickname yeah, yeah. that was mine Monty was my nickname okay. gotcha. did you ever so you said it was in your first game did all the like sort of you went into the game thinking nah I'm going to I'm going to go Monty keep it simple or did you think it like the, or someone like the cricket coach maybe didn't pronounce uh, Monty Suvin uh, at first and then you're just like just call me Monty now, I think um, I, when, you're, when you're young, you don't think about these kind of issues. You yeah. just think about playing cricket and, and, and enjoying cricket, and that's it. So it's only when you get older and, 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 you, and your brain starts to work out um, you know, what makes sense and what doesn't. When you're young, you're just, like, you're just having fun and enjoying life, really. And whatever you're, whatever you're passionate about, that's what you're going to just naturally do. So I, I remember I used to just, you know, after school play cricket all the time, be outdoors, activity, iPads, iPhones didn't even exist at that time. Never had a mobile phone until I was the age of like 16, 17. I was always just outdoorsy. So so I think that's, I think, I remember, you know, when I, the article I wrote uh, was published, you know, by Jonathan Liu about me saying British Asia should just focus on 
you know, the cricket. I think probably what I was meant, what I was going to say was that when you're a young British Asian going into the system and trying to become a, let's say, you've got a dream to be a professional sportsman, sometimes it's a lot easier just to think, actually, what do I really love doing? I love playing cricket, love playing football. I don't really want to be a sit, get into these kind of conversations that will make me make the game less fun, you know, because they want to just enjoy themselves. So possibly that was one of the reasons. And, 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 and I guess, you know, um, I, I also then, you know, went to a seminar, which was show racism, you know, the red card seminar. And that was really interesting. Some of the things that they talked about and they talked about like minimization, you know, for example, uh, I could be a senior player and I could have my mobile phone, right? And there's, let's say, you know, you come and speak to me and say, Lamonti, oh, can I speak to you about my game? And, and, I, and I'm like, yeah, give, give me five minutes, mate. I'm just on my phone and I'll yeah. talk to you later. I'm just finishing off, you know, Angry Birds. So, you know, <laughs> I, listen, I've just got to level 10, mate. Let me get to level 11 and I'm going to get yeah. back to you. That's a form of minimization where I've, I've ignored your request and you're probably, as a senior player, want to speak to me yeah. about. So that's why I think when you do education, it is so, like, your eyes open up to so many different things. There's the visible racism, like the colour of your skin, yeah. what we look like, which is the easy stuff, tangible stuff, yeah. right? There's the invisible stuff. Yeah. Your education, your background, um, the clothes you wear, the food you eat, the, 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 way, the way you speak, interests you have. So it's really, really interesting when you, when you go to these sort of educational seminars that actually to what even what we think there is, is there's a lot more out there. Yeah, I mean, it, I I agree, and also just the name thing. I I I actually relate to that the name thing. So I go by Yosef, uh, and that isn't what I'm called at home. That's not how you pronounce my name in Ethiopia. It's it's Yosef, and I can't actually remember the age I was when I told people it's Yosef. But I know why I call Yosef because I tell people it's Joseph with a Y. So I've, I've tweaked my name. Almost into an extent now, I see Yosef as part of my. I don't. I don't. If someone who is an Ethiopian calls me Yosef, I find that weird. I see it as my. So I feel I get what you mean of changing. Like this, you know, maybe feeling like you have to adapt a bit. But I think I guess. I think what I think is uh, something that's important is is the sort of things. So, what you're saying in the Jonathan Liu article, I think that's something which is good to uh, tell the person or tell the young uh, British Asian cricketers uh, privately I think is or something just like when you talk to them it's like you know sort of like you can you can prove them wrong or something like you know you know you're better than that but sometimes when you're on a public platform it can it can sort of like I say minimalization it's, I think sometimes it's very easy to get twisted yeah, so that 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 could have that that uh, that headline could have been well. I I think especially when I've spoken to you guys, um, I feel like I'm minimising the impact of it. Yeah. Like now I've actually reflected on it and I've spoken to you guys. Um, you kind of think actually, you know, um, different age groups have a different view on it, um, and 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 also another point is you know where you're from. So like Terry, it'd be interesting to know your views. As a black American, yeah, what is it like in, in America then? But what experiences do you guys have? Or what, what kind of maybe do you guys have? Are you educated better? Do you think um, the education is better there than in the UK? I think, um, you mean like in terms of like racial, yeah, um, racial awareness, I, inclusivity. I would say it's probably changing over time. Again, I, when I was younger, I don't think we really learned too much about it, like in school or anything. A lot of it 
kind of the same when you get older from like books, podcasts, watching movies and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. It's kind of just one of those things where you you kind of just like as comfortable as you are. It's just sometimes you just feel like out of place in a way. But it's it's also just weird though because as like a African American, we don't like I can't tell you where I'm from in Africa. Like I, I don't know my family. In my like lineage, be based from South Carolina, like we came over as slaves. So I don't know. So maybe it's one of those things that we don't really have like a place that's like just ours. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's I guess I wouldn't say we're really educated on it more. I think you just get older and you just kind of take it upon yourself to kind of realize that there's probably things and views I have when I was younger that like now I'd look back on and just be like, I feel totally different about. Yeah, just going back to the Guardian article, we've had this a uh, discussion prior. But I'd just like to expand upon it in regards to the article and everything you said. Speaking to you as a person, I know you have um, the right intentions and everything. But me, personally, as a British South Asian that's trying to get into the sports industry, um, a lot of the stuff you said were very upsetting. And I, I was angered at the time because while you do say that racism does ex- exist in cricket, there were certain phrases and things that were put in the article which... I felt was problematic to the progress, not just of South Asians, but of, of minorities and even women just progressing in sport. For example, there's something you did say where my mis- you touched upon this briefly, but my message to British South Asians coming through, just focus on your cricket. That's, it's almost dismissing the issue of racism. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's interesting you say that. I think yeah. if, if we... If a British Asian speaks to their child or if they speak to, let's say, a relative in, of, of an yeah. older generation, it's probably something that they would say to their, their children as well. Yeah. And I'm probably in, the, in that generation where I've probably, you know, had that sort of advice. Even, you know, maybe, you know, having a life coach or a mentor just helped me to get that tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. But then when I speak to yourself, like younger generations, I feel like, there's a voice now for the younger generation who, who who are actually it's important that their voices you know like yourself speak about it why do you guys feel so angry what is it because I'm sure even if you, even if you ask your parents the same question they'll probably say what are you doing son you know just just, just focus on your education you know don't, don't want to talk about these things but you're like no no no, no I, I want to talk about it and 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 I think there's there, there's a, there, there is definitely a lot more younger people the younger generation have a I think have a much more deeper understanding yeah. about these kind of society issues and probably possibly like myself or even you know people of my age group and even even older i think the older you get the less of the understanding there is but the yeah. younger you get yeah. i think there's a greater understanding yeah and i think with quote-unquote the older generation is what because i guess you've grown up in situations well not just you solely but that a generation of people they've grown up in situations where they have faced violent forms of racism and explicit forms of racism, which people of our age may not have, we haven't seen as frequently besides TV or the odd incident, which is brought up. So we're, we're less likely to accept the quote-unquote subtle racism that shouldn't matter as much. But that is equally as damaging. That can equally affect people's perceptions of themselves and where they want to take their careers and what doors are open and closed for them. So... Yeah, me and Yosef were just speaking... You're right in saying my parents would perceive stuff differently. Like, if I were to speak about racism with my parents, they wouldn't dismiss it, but they'd be like, you, you're lucky you didn't get beaten up. That, that, that's, that's what racism is. Whereas that's not the reality of the case. If I am call, called a... I'm called a terrorist, or I'm called certain racial slurs, 
it does affect me and it can affect what environments you feel comfortable in and whether you want to pursue a sport or not. So if, let's say, a 12-year-old cricketer right now was to go into a predominantly white cricket club and he is called certain words and stuff, regardless of his talent, that will affect his mindset and how far he'd want to go in that sport. Is that really an environment you want to stay in? It's actually interesting to talk about that because I played at Luton Town in Indians, which was predominantly a diverse cricket club, but actually Luton Indians was predominantly, yeah, let's all, you know, um, sort of British Asians, right? Like from, from Gujarat, right? That's what it was. And then they amalgamated with Luton, uh, Luton Town, which was a British white club, but that was a diversity show. Someone asked me the question, if you was a youngster and you were, your first club was says more of a British white club, would you have gone through the system or not? And I don't really know. It's a great question. And I think, and I think, People think to themselves, actually, if they want to progress in life really quickly, maybe start off a place where culturally, you know, you're kind of similar background, similar place. So then you learn your skill set. And then when you go into that other environment, you're already, your skills are already really sharp that you'll go straight away into the first team, you know, because you're so good, you don't have to go through the system. But I don't think that should be the case. I don't think kids should grow up in environments where they have people that look all like them and then when you're 15, 16, when you've acclimatised yourself, oh, I'm ready to go out in the real world. It should start from that young age, kids of all colours so getting along. Yeah. But, but yeah, but then when I wanted to become a spinner, yeah. um, I looked up to Bisha Singh Bedi, who was a okay. left-arm spinner, played for India, yeah. and I visually looked up to him and I thought, oh, he played for North Ants. Yeah. There was Harbhajan Singh, who played for India, Yuvraj Singh, you know, these are Sikh people mm-hmm. who I think, oh, they've made it for India, so then I can make it for England. And then vis- having that visual role model, you know. So then I, that's why I went to play for Northlands. So sometimes I think, um, I think being people, I think being around, you know, of your religion, of your kind of people who are successful, I think helps you to, to grow further because you know that, oh yeah, Bishan Singh Bailey made it, so I can do it. Now, if there wasn't a Bishan Singh Bailey, then I would have thought, mm, can I make it? Can I not? I don't know, I think, it, I don't know, do, do you think it makes a difference if you have someone visually you can think, look up to? I think 100% that you have someone that you can relate to, I think. What was the quote that someone said in reference to uh, the recent uh, South Asian Man United play? Oh yes, um, seeing is believing. Yeah, 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 if you can't see, you can't do and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just like, but then also, and it's interesting how you mentioned uh, how the, the diversity of your upbringing, because then obviously... In, now, I mean, a few weeks back in the prominent case of Rafiq, someone from Yorkshire, there isn't, it, he's not going to have the same, you know, have bits in certain areas, but it's not going to have the same uh, level for diversity as you would in Luton or we would in uh, in London. East London, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it is. So, sure, if, he, if you have to deal with it face on immediately, I feel like, do, do you think geographically, you know, sorry, demographically, where you live, it, it, it it's different. I think it shapes how you respond to it because I feel like, I think if, from my from my experience, in my school was predominantly that I think in primary and secondary, white people were the minority, or it'd be if they were maybe around fifty percent. So it'd be enough where they. It was almost as if if someone said something that was offensive, people like there'd be numbers to to back you. No one was ever alone in situations like that. And I think often when you go, so in, it's just but this happens. It, this isn't necessarily just like something that 
doesn't happen in London. This is just a place where I was from. Even when even into that, you can still experience racism with stuff like that. But I think it's the idea that I think you're very aware of that the fact that you you were protected at times. You're both. I I I I reflect on it back now, and I would say I was so lucky that I was protected because. Um, Lucky to have some great facilities, you know. Wardown Park used to play first class cricket there. I had I was I was around a group of people who were absolutely passionate about cricket, you know, and they loved cricket, even the surrounding areas, you know, absolutely loved cricket. So, um, you know, it's you know, I think Rafiq's case highlights that um there's certain areas it's 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 maybe a bit more obvious and a bit more, you know, intense and, and sort of hidden. And certain areas probably isn't, yeah. you know, and uh, so yeah, it's important that you know he, he his experiences are sort yeah. of you know listen, you hear what have you learned from his experiences, what thing what things you're going to do you know, to make it better going forward. Which you know, I guess Darren Goff, he's a director of you know managing director of Yorkshire now, he's going to have a a huge task in actually listening to everyone. And uh, and making sure you know that their voices get heard. Yeah. Now, just going slightly back to something you said earlier, um, how you said you looked up to certain Indian cricketers and you saw seeing is believing, like the the yeah. phrases. Um, do you understand now how certain things you can say could could impact a lot of young South Asians detrimentally, whether you mean it or not, because you are amongst the few South Asians athletes that are. That represent Britain. There's not many of us. Let's be honest. There's not many, and you are in a, a, a small, small, small group of elite athletes. That so, whether you mean it or not, some stuff you say are almost used to reflect an entire group. So when you say certain issues, just get on with it. Whether you mean it or not, certain issues just get on with it. Ignore it. Can you understand how that could have a detrimental effect on a lot of young South Asians? Even myself as a 22-year-old, that's, not, that's trying to get into sports journalism, not even, not even as an athlete. I was, oh, I was like, Monty, you've missed it here. Yeah, because I think before you respond, I think it's not just necessarily what you say, but then how, people, how other people in the media, or even white people, then take what you've said. Because then I think you see in a lot of uh, comments of some people who say, oh, finally, that's now, now yes. you've said it, or like, Especially then as well when you have to say, I've got an article here where they, they sort of take, and that was the only thing they take from Jonathan. You spoke about so many other things, you spoke about your own career, and they've said in the first paragraph, Monty Panesar has urged young players from British Asian backgrounds to focus on their cricket in order to stay away from conversations about fitting in and diversity. Even if you didn't, that you see how, how your words get amplified and twisted and so... So see that's what I'm saying. Like this, this, like this racism in cricket, in sport, in society is such a complex, complicated, you know, situation that um, even I'm like sort of sitting and learning from you guys. Especially, I think I'm learning a lot more from the younger generation. I would say because they probably maybe face it more. I don't know, or they just have a better understanding, or they just you know would like you look at the other issues like climate change. It's the younger generation that are really making vocal vocalizing their opinions. Mm. And, um, and, and you're probably, uh, I think you probably are right as to some degree where, you, where you're saying actually, you know, um, you know if, if, if you felt I've kind of like, my intention wasn't yeah. to water down the subject, mm-hmm. but if it come across like that, then yeah, I, I apologise because that's not the case. Yeah. And 
I'm also an ambassador for show racing on the broken card. I've been to some of the seminars there. So, like, I know that, you know, um, I, I, I am representing British Asian in this country. Yeah. And um, I'm also saying that education is important. Uh, but also I'm saying that if you want to make it to the top, do, do have someone there to support you. But let's not, um, you know, hide behind the fact that, you know, institutional racism does exist. Yeah. And and you're right, you know, being the first seat to play for England, it is my responsibility to highlight these issues and, and help to open doors for, for the next generation of British Asians that, that want to you know, be successful in this country that, yeah, I, I do hold that, you know, responsibility to, to, to help, you know, other, other, other you know, especially the, the younger generation, yeah. you know, to make that pathway a lot easier for them by, by saying, actually, you know, racism does ex- exist in society. And uh, you know we collectively need to do you know something about it, so it's a lot easier for the for the next generation to come through and and actually enjoy the prospects of of living in a in a great country where um, you know I'm sure uh, we know there's so much opportunity here. Yeah, I mean it's, it's interesting. I did like what you said about how it's sport and society. And one thing which me and Monty personally was talking about beforehand was the idea that the way you react to racism in sport is very different to how you react to racism in society. And I think it's partly due to just the, the, the winning mindset where we were speaking about how, you know, doesn't, if, if something happens to you in sport that affects your game, it doesn't matter whether that should or shouldn't happen. The priority is how it's your impact on the game. It's like, you know, and something that you talk, we've always talked, you've spoken about here it's like looking back and saying how you know maybe things are different and I think it's interesting because I know in a lot of interviews you've said how you've never experienced racism in cricket and I think now with what you've learned about sort of more uh, covert forms of racism I mean there's a story you told us with the Australian fans if you could uh, tell us again like yeah like, like for example to me this isn't racism to me, this is banter, mm-hmm. but to other people, they may think it is. So it's all it's all very individual. Like the P word, I, if someone says to me tomorrow, P word, where do you put that one to? I'll say that is definitely a racist term. If someone says that to me, that please, that's an offensive term. But a banter, like for example, you know, played in a test match, uh, Headingley, and um, I, I, I remember Shaman gloving the ball and Alim Dar didn't give it out and, and, and I felt like he gloved it, right? But it was his last test match, so he wanted to, you know, at least go on a high, which even I would want to, right? Yeah. So I went walking down to, you know, find leg and I was angry and distraught and I was just like, oh gosh, you know, he gloved it. And uh, Australian fans go, oh, morning, mate, where'd you, where'd you park your elephant? And, and then I started cracking up because that's my personality. Yeah. I found it really funny. Yeah. And I go, oh, I left it at customs. It didn't make it through. Mm-hmm. And they started laughing with me. And there's a lot of people say to me, look, you know, sometimes they say to me, why, why do you connect with the fans? Or why is it? It's because I think I've got this type of personality, which is a bit more easygoing. I don't take things to offence unless it's real, you know, like the P or whatever, right? But... You know, even like maybe the subtle, you know, invisible. Maybe we could we could we could define this as as let's say invisible or microaggression. But to me, I don't because I've laughed it off. I've had a bit of banter with them, and um, you know, to me, I haven't. But to another person, it may have done. You know, and I just don't know. So, yes. do you think your your personality and kind of the, like you say you're the winning the tunnel vision? Do you think if you would have seen things differently, it would have changed the way your career went? It would have been more difficult, you think, to just focus on, like, the goal. 
Look, I think, look, if you've got this amount of energy, right, let's say you've got like a battery, right, yeah, you've got 100% of batteries fully full, and I want all my 100% just to focus on performance, taking wickets, and I want to play for England. That is all I want to do, right? Yeah. And you see that with all the great elite athletes, you know, Roger Federer, Anthony Joshua, Tiger Woods, they all have their own team around them, and then they just get into this elite zone because all the conversations they want to talk about is performance. Yeah. And that's what I did, you know, with my, 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 my life, you know, life coach, who's sadly not with us anymore. But um, he said to me, look, Monty, all I want you to talk about is performance with me. And it was just performance conversation, which I would say helped me to get to play for England. You know, like I've, I just finished university, you know, yeah. at the age of 23. Eight games, I took what, 48, 50, I think 51 wickets in eight games. Six months later, I'm playing for England. And next thing you know, I'm competing, you know, against the best in the world like first wicket was Sachin Tendulkar now I don't think all of that would have happened so quickly although the whole you know progress yeah. even when I was at university if I didn't have that sort of a mentor or a coach around me so you know when people ask me or journalists ask me oh, how comes you played for England and what yeah. was your you know hidden ingredient and, and I, I just say I had a life coach and that's what helped me I think that's I mean first I think what you said about the elephant I think firstly in my head I see that as it's, it's, it's in my head that's racism it's plain racism yeah. I think it's interesting how we see it I think I understand where you're coming from I understand my parents would uh, they've had stories where similar to that I think one of them so uh, this is probably for another podcast but my parents both of them were educated in Bulgaria in Eastern Europe for uni and so uh, they've met a lot of people that never faced uh, that never met black, never met black people before and uh, people would ask some questions like horrible stuff which is today like I remember everything my dad so I remember one of them they'd, they'd, they'd like treat them as if they were actually monkeys and so after so they ask them things like uh, do you uh, like live in the trees and I remember my parents <coughs> would never uh, like you they'd respond jokingly they'd be like yeah we do we've got, we've got escalators and lifts <laughs> and we'd just like play around with them but it's, I guess it's how like I, I think it's maybe generational I think it's, yeah. it's different, isn't it? Yeah, but um, I don't. That's what I think. Do you, do you think with the? Um, you said it's like the generational difference. Do you think in this generation, like some, it's harder to just have like a tunnel vision because there is more media attention and like social media and all this stuff about like race and all this other stuff. Do you think it's harder to drown it out? I, I think so. I think social media is an interesting one. Like, there's a lot of people who get trolled on social media. I get trolled all the time. I laugh it off, I reply back to them and have, I have a laugh with them, right? And it doesn't affect me. But then, maybe because from a younger age, you know, I was always, you know, uh, you know taught about this, like, um, you know, uh, like, like, like the sun principle, which is a very much a, an Eastern philosophy mindset. The sun rises, the sun set, you keep doing the same thing, and it's a boring form of life daily, but you keep re- repeating the same skills, and you just get stronger and stronger and stronger. Is that one percent of elite, you know, mindset? And suddenly, your mind is just not geared like that. You don't, it doesn't really bother you. Um, but then, for a younger generation, there's like, you know, so much out there in terms of information. Yeah. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. There's so much there that they can possibly, you know, want to be part of conversations. They want to talk about, you know, things in a more deeper detail. And and I think that's where their voices need to be heard, which is important. But also, let's not forget, you know, I hope that young person then doesn't, doesn't get caught up in the in the storm. Yeah. They've got their own goals in life, you know. They they don't get sort of suddenly they're climbing up the mountain halfway through it. They're having like a, a two year two hour rest because they want to talk about these topics. It's like, what about your life? 
What about where you want to get to as well? You know, think about yourself. And that's important as well. Let's not, you know, it's good to talk about these things because it's important to address it. And, you know, we've got so many you know, anti-racism organisations out there that are helping towards that. But also think about yourself. Think about your goals. You want to get to a certain place. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's make progress there as well. But, uh, sorry to interrupt, but with the generational divide, um, there's almost this underlying sense that the elder generation which is tougher when that is not the case it's, it's, we could almost say oh back in the 40s when women were were treated like second class citizens weren't allowed to vote had to stay at home they were tougher then that's not the case it was just wrong and that's why I feel like a lot of older people need to get into their head that it's, it's not the generational divide isn't an answer to stuff you just have to accept that what you've been taught the experiences you've had were wrong and just, just because people of our generation do bring it up, it's not a distraction, but it's more so something that we have to be aware of that is a clear barrier for certain groups of people. And going back to the elephant case, if someone said that to me, I'd be deeply offended. And the difference between what I believe banter and racism is the underlying, the underlying meanings behind certain things. For example, if you were to call someone... Would you, would you say the way I define... Racism and banter is different to yes. what you define, yes. right? Yes. And and is that because of we're into we're like generation? This is a massive but, we're yeah, a decade. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you said with the generational thing. I don't think that's an answer to it because if we are going to use the term banter, if let's just use solely a color, and this has happened in a case in football where if if we are to call someone a white man or a white boy, that has no degrading connotations to it. You can go to a random man on the street and say a white man that has no de- or white boy that has no degraded connotation. The boy might be somewhat condescending, but the white no. Now, if you were to use the term black in replacement of that, that has so much underlying meaning to it, towards it. That is clearly to make you feel bad about yourself, and that's clearly an insult. It's not a descriptive. So that's what we need to be aware of. And that's how we see sort of jokes like that. The with the elephants, that sort of. It's othering in a way that you'll have other jokes to other cricketers, but because think why are they giving you the elephant joke? You you've, I mean they you're not in the news or anything related. It's purely because you have the complexion of someone who's from. Okay, so I, I used to say you know um, in addressing the environment to my white cricket friends, I'll say I will say Dave, oh mate, it's only ten degrees outside, but it's baking hot. There's a fifty degree, you know, fifty sun yeah. cream. Yeah. Go, 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 you know, get some tan on your pale legs. Yeah, and they would laugh about that. But now, would you say I was being? I would. Do you think I was I being would, really offensive? No, I would say, when you even told the elephant story, the first time we heard it, I thought you meant uh, a teammate said it to you. So that's why I was like, oh, like I would, I get why you would say like that's his banter. Like, I feel like. In, in the way I would judge it, things like that are different. Like you said, like those are your cricketer friends. So maybe if one of them said it to you, that might just be a relationship you guys have. But I do kind of see it as like, if a stranger says something like that to me, I might kind of be like taken aback, kind of like, I'm not, I don't really know you enough to really make racial jokes with well, you. Well, but well, I get what you're saying. It's just, well, we say, I think we're living in a different world 15 years ago. I agree. I do totally you think, agree. I, I yeah. think times have changed. Yeah. I think to what, was allowed to say, let's say, fifteen years ago. Yeah, you now, couldn't if that say was repeated that. Now, I think, I think someone may even report it. Do you know, I agree. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, even what I said in the dressing room, I think 
That'd be a next story. But with these notions about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the issue I have is it almost insinuates, oh, that's the golden period and oh, people are soft now. I don't think it's to say it's soft or it was golden. It, I think it's, it was just different. It was yeah, just, yeah, I agree. But we have to be aware that was wrong. That's, that's the point yeah, I'm trying to make. That's the point I'm trying to make. We can look retrospectively and say it's wrong without. Uh, making a big fu- I think that's yeah, what we yeah. wanted we just because I think it's interesting the way how I think a key part of the story is the way you responded and how you, t- you say you talk about how you know you had a good relationship with fans with your sort of jovial uh, attitude where you sort of give it back but then it's a question of there are loads of cricketers that are that are serious you know they're not not every cricketer is like you but then at least a question of but what if there was like a, a serious and like a, a what if it was like a British in, Indian cricketer, or British Asian cricketer, who was serious? How would that be? How would they be? Oh, you can't take a joke, or you can't do this. Oh, calm down. It's just like I feel like almost as if you there's expectation even then that you have to be jovial because then it, it creates problems. You become a problem, become a problem player when if you raise if you raise issues. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because um, you know there is that issue where they think actually people in the past were afraid to talk about that, and I would say you know I I I never saw it as that way troublesome or anything like that. There's something about you know being in a dressing room environment, the banter that everyone enjoys. You know the jokes that fly around yeah. is is something that you know everyone enjoys after when you win a game of cricket. It is a lot of fun. There's something fun about, you know, when someone drops a catch or, you know, when someone misfeels or anything like that that happens really fun, right? Um, and I just think that bit shouldn't be obviously taken away. I just think that we live in now, like, you know, 15 years ago, whatever you know, happened now, what's happened in 10 years' time, I, I reckon it's, it's, it's changing with time, right, and society. Um, I know your point, you know, uh, you're saying, look, you know, Martin, it doesn't matter what time or place, wrong is wrong, right? Mm. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into a place. I'm sure in 20 years' time, 15 years' time, we'll get to that point of actually, you know, doesn't matter time frame, wrong is wrong, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think we're all learning. We're all learning through this journey. So if we were looking back then, would you, as Monty now, would you look back and say what, what the Australian fans did to you was racist? No, absolutely not. But because it's, I, I tell you why, it's my character, right? Now, whatever I find offensive could be different to what Matt yeah. finds offensive, what Terry finds offensive, yeah. what you know, Joseph finds offensive, right? And that's why when they, everyone says everyone needs to be listened and heard, every individual case, you know, when they talk about it, if someone, that's why when, you, when, you're, when you're in a team environment, everyone at the start of the year, any organisation will say, right, this is our team environment, what are our values, what do you find offensive, what you don't. In certain environments, they'll say, in a team environment, guys, it's okay, we can have this banter, I don't mind any of this offensive. But just don't say, for example, the P word, the N word, or anything yeah. like that, and that's it, right? And other places, they could be a little bit deeper. They could think, actually, you know what, don't call me these kind of things because I find it offensive. Yeah. And I think what's the most important thing is we are having these conversations at the start of any organisation, maybe after the new year, companies will have it, sporting teams maybe in April when the county season starts. That never used to happen, and I think that's a positive step. I mean, it's interesting, us like so. I think it's the idea that whether something's offensive depends on the individual, how the individual reacts. I think 
I, I feel like part of the issue is is sort of like I think what you speak about things like the idea of things being changing and stuff like work culture and things that are not racist in the past is now seen as racist and I think it's sort of at times I think there's a fear of doing something wrong I think do we all agree on one thing do we all agree that the P word is a racist term yes, yes. do we all agree that the N word is a racist term yes, yes. thank god we're, we're on the same page we're on the same page at least, at least I'm on the same page with the younger generation yeah, yeah that's, that is <laughs> yeah that's like the most explicit forms but yeah just go, going back to what you said about um Certain you didn't see that comment as racist. I think objectively, that's a racist comment. Especially you, who you are, you're South, a visibly South Asian man. That is that is clearly a, a insult aimed at you because you are from this part of the world. If you were one of your white colleagues, one of your uh, white teammates, they would not have been met with that comment. That's where the thing is. I believe banter or jokes is universal, but within amongst. Fair enough, within a, a group of friends, you have personalised banter, but just from a stranger being said that, that's, that's a racist remark. So, so Arif, what I find really interesting, I think quite being quite educated for me, you know, like, like I, I don't have many friends under the age of, let's say, 25, right? Okay. Women 28, like as many of like, us. So you're like, this is my new group of friends okay. at the university, <laughs> right? Whichever one's similar age. I find it that the, the conversations that I have with you guys about let's say racism in society is so different to my group of friends to the older generation, right? And, um, like, why, do you feel quite angry with society and, and how it's been, how, how racism has been handled? I think, well, me speaking personally, I think there's clear examples of racism and systemic racism that I can see. And, and just regarding you, um, South Asian people aren't monoliths. I'm glad you have your own opinion, I'm glad you think differently, and that's how it should be. But when you're painted under one brush, that's when the issues arise, and that's when... The, the, that's how I feel about certain stuff. It's almost... In regards to banter, he said, okay, these are the things that are right to say, and these are the things that aren't. But do you think it's a responsibility then for the younger British Asians to actually... I don't think... I don't they think need to speak up. They need to tell them, actually, you know what? I'm sorry to the older sort of generation, parents, uncles, or cousins. Yeah. We younger people, this is how we see it, yeah. and we see it in a much more clear, visible way than maybe how you guys see I, it. I think they personally see it like that themselves. I mean, personally, I've, we, I've never forced someone who's experienced something to, to speak up. I would say, oh, you, you've done this wrong. It's them. I feel like they're the victim. Regardless of whether they speak up about it, whether they, it doesn't matter if they speak about it 20 years' time, 50 years' time. If they've experienced it, they're a victim, and there's many reasons why they choose to not speak about it. But I think, uh, I think most of them are more like what we are seeing, which is good. People are more willing to speak out about it. And I think, I think as well is, I think this is what I say when you say you're speaking for other people is, when you say you've never experienced racism in your own eyes, the, the people you're sort of speaking for, speaking to, the younger generation, the next generation of British Asian cricketers, to their eyes, if they heard what you've experienced, they would say, You've experienced racism. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So whatever I've experienced by a fan saying it, a younger generation will say, actually, Monty, that's racism. But then if you put my set of eyes, I will say, I didn't experience racism. But then I have an open mind as well. And that's why, like I said to you before, I went to the seminar yeah. of Show Racism, the Red Card. Because when you go there, 
even if you guys go there you guys will learn something completely different sure right yeah. where there could be these subtle these subtle languages where you you know talk about and you can say and um you wouldn't realize as a person as a british asian you could be actually um in a maybe offensive to someone else from a different background because of assumptions about yeah. the invisible stuff right so i think the real education that takes place is actually learning from these anti-racism organizations you know we are kick it out since 1992 they probably have a much deeper understanding than actually even ourselves or mm. you know what we're seeing here and uh, it'll be fascinating you know if you ever get an opportunity to speak to one of these guys or go to their seminars and think wow there's, there's this type you know this is this is how they kind of like categorize all these different things and uh, um you know one of, the, one of the areas they talked about was systemic racism minimization you know um how important it is if someone comes up to you and, and, and they are they want your advice or they have a concern that you take that very seriously because if you ignore it um that's like you're just sort of you know that's not yeah. that's not that important yeah. and uh, things like that is yes it's it's really like open i think what's happened since all of these experiences since black lives matter really is that um it's opened up a wider conversation for people not to be afraid and also for myself like to think actually I want to probably get a bit more educated in different societies I want to see what is it like you know in America what is it like what is it like you know in Eastern European what is it like in other parts of the world because um, then, you, then you have a much more deeper understanding about these things with that deep understanding now when you look back at things do you wish you do you think about ever reacting differently absolutely not and the reason I said was, I'm, I was one of these players who were part of team meetings. Um, I was always given a responsibility of saying, well, once you hear the ball, first innings, you're going to control one hand, mm-hmm. set up, set, set the game for us. Second innings, it's a turning wicket, quit the theatre, you're going to get us the wickets, right? So I was always included. I had this, I was always felt included and I, and I was part of the team. And maybe that's, that's the reason why I played what, over 15 years. Mm-hmm. Well, 20 years, I'll say, you know, 15, 20 years, I've been a professional cricketer. But then I think to myself, okay, right, get, put myself into other people's shoes now. Take myself away from myself and think about the fringe players who've been talking about this. Yeah. They've only played, what, a handful of games where they're in the professional game for two to three years. And you kind of think, these are the fringe players. The fringe players actually were, were the ones who felt not included. So coming forward, because... It's, all, it's, all, it's also about creating solutions going forward. It's about you know, creating practical, positive steps going forward. And I think for sports teams, for companies, organizations out there, if they feel like there's a team member who doesn't feel in- included, right? how do we make that person in- included? And I remember reading this article on the All Blacks. Why were they the best team, the New Zealand team? Why were they were the best? They would get the youngest member in the team to conduct the team meeting, the front of them. <laughs> Dan Carter, the, all the greats of the All Blacks, and they ask him the question. They say, "So, how do you think we're going to be, you know, uh, the Wallabies today? Or how do you think we're going to get, um, you know, the main batsman out? Who, who do we, who, you know, if we win the toss, do you reckon we should bat a ball today? The youngest player in the team, who opinions don't yeah. get hurt, and that's why they were so strong because they felt like their weakest, they, they, they actually the most inexperienced member was their weakest member in the team, and they needed to make that person." strong as possible as a team member keep them included and therefore you know you don't really well it's no coincidence that they become one of the most successful sports teams around 
And that's something I think going forward should be encouraged. You know, maybe graduates who come in or go to different companies, or whatever. Right, on, you know, you you, you conduct the, the meeting for us. You yeah. know, I think that'll be that'll create you know, so much you know um, helpful feedback. Yeah. So Monty, I found it uh, interesting how you spoke about just how you've learned new things now, and talking about making you know including the inexperienced members, the fringe players, because. It's important to recognise that part of the reason why your experiences with uh, racism in cricket is different to some of the others is, I think we spoke about this before, we have to be aware about talent matters and stuff like this. You know, I think when journalists ask you questions about what, what, why did you make it and they didn't, I think that's sort of uh, disingenuous at times because it's almost implying that you you'd handled racism differently when I think... It's obviously there's no getting like getting away from the fact that you're an amazing bowler. I think that's the key reason. Like you, you've got talent in in ways that other people don't, and that plays a key factor. And so I always just think about how you how you look back on your career. Do you not about you personally, but in any uh, team you were in, do you feel like there was times where not just a British Asian player, but uh, any player wasn't included enough? Did you ever feel anyone was left out? Yeah, that's a really good question now because I'm reflecting on it now and I'm thinking, I didn't experience any racism and was there any sort of other people experiencing it? And I think I think just to my, maybe to my upbringing, you know, just focusing on just performing day in, day out, I want to just perform well, next, next game take wickets. Like, my currency is wickets. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah. It's not the pounds or the dollars, you know. It's, yeah. My currency is wickets. And I, I'll probably... I would say throughout my career I just focused on just my currency and didn't really look outside that and since I've kind of stopped playing cricket take myself out of the equation and also you know studying as well you know I've studied you know an MA here in international sports journalism some of the topics we talked about here kind of like opens up you know broadens your eyes open opens up that, that sort of you know debate um, like now looking back at it I, I would I think I would still say like I, I, I probably wasn't I was probably a little bit naive, not looking out for it, you know. Now, if some people ask me, I would always tell them, if a, if a coach asks me now, because I'm, you know, like I, I'm always thinking about practical steps forward. I don't know why I always, I always like to think, how can we make it better? What are the solutions going forward? And um, I will tell, you know, coaches, I'll say, but always be aware of, of a shy young individual who's not contributing in team meetings, but then goes out there and performs really well. Do you know what I mean? Like, are they are they included in team discussions? What is it like when you go away match? Yeah. You know, do they do they all do they? Everyone comes out for for a meal. Are they all kind of just mingling in, having a chit chat about whatever it is? Like, be mindful of that. That you know, are the all team members being included? Where is where, where are the groups going? Have they got a group of friends that they with? Um, it's really important. You know, that that awareness is is there. Yeah, and I think I think it all goes back to um, just representation and being comfortable within yourself. Uh, we do speak on subtle forms of racism and smaller forms of racism, but I personally believe racism is racism. And you, you and me, while we're both South Asian, we should, we do, and we should have completely different views because we're not, we're not, we don't have one point of view. So for me, at least, any form, whether it be verbal, whether it be physical, racism is a, is a huge issue and it clearly is a huge issue within cricket so that's why we do need people like Monty Panasar while you do share your experience just be cognizant of the fact 
that your view will unfortunately be reflected upon a lot of South Asian people. And not just cricketers, South Asian people in general in Britain. So if you are, if you'd not say you dismiss it, but when you are saying, oh, this never affected me, I think sometimes you should understand, for example, you're having a discussion with me how, how detrimental and how deep it actually goes and the problems that it can create. So while you do speak for Manti Panasar, unfortunately, sometimes even in regards to cricket, you do speak for a lot of South Asians, not just South Asians. You do, there's an issue in cricket we haven't even touched upon about the underrepresented community of black people in cricket. There's, I'm not too, uh, too sure how many black cricketers you know personally, but there's not many out there. Well, well in the 90s, there were 33 black cricketers, yeah. professional, when they're playing. Okay. Now there's only, I think, nine. Yeah, so no, that's... that's... And, and, and I think five of them are from... I don't know, I know the exact numbers, so they don't quote me, but I think the majority of them are from the West Indies. So it's not even like British, yeah. you know, black cricketers coming through the system. That's... That's even yeah, that's and, even deeper. <laughs> and, and that's another question to ask. You, you can say, oh, black people don't like cricket. No, because black people aren't one body, just like you and me aren't one single view. So we've got to understand there are, there are clearly issues within the sport. Yeah, and I, I hope in the future, I just want in the future, I think, on my point of view is, when people ask you, have you experienced racism? I think it's fine to say no, because I think, I, I think it's fine to define whether you experience racism and how you perceive it. But I think it's always good just to bring that story and say, but there were things that when I spoke to different people, things may have been seen as racist. I think this is where you sort of, when I feel like you've got to be mindful of the fact that I think you're, you're, it's fair in your own opinion to say you've never experienced racism because I mean, you didn't see it like that. And I think you're not the only person who would see it as you've never experienced racism, but then... I think this is where because it's do, got to be. Do, 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 do you think um, one of the reasons I I played for England or you know played so many Test matches for England is because innocently or naively I I, I just focus on performance and, 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 and close my ears on external issues that are going in the sport. Honestly, I just think that that would that, you would you say yes or no to that? I say no. That? I think that goes. I think you you can't you can't um, mentality your way. Uh, all the way, I think mentality helps, but you, you, I just think it's also just laying down your talent. Okay, so how does it make you feel then? Um, you know, uh, I'm an ambassador for Show Race on the Red Card. I've gone to some of the seminars. How does that make you feel? That makes well, me feel good. Yeah, but it's also show. It's like not every person of colour has the same view. I'm sure there's people on the panel, the people you work with, have completely different views and probably very similar to ours or completely different to ours it's not uh, like I feel like I've said this quite a few times people of colour aren't monoliths nor are women nor are any group of people monoliths everyone has their own different views everyone perceives stuff differently but racism is racism that's, that's how I see it would you say for a person of any generation yourself as well yeah. you know and people parents or whatever that they should go to these educational seminars yeah. on racism. I think everyone should go. Yeah, including yeah. us. It's not, it's yeah, including exactly. I, I, I don't think I have all the answers to racism. Like you said, if they, in, in 10, 15, 10 years' time, 20 years' time, there may be something that I realise is wrong. And I know there's loads of things in my lifetime already that I've, that I've changed or things I, I see things in a different way now. And I think, because firstly, there are 
while we're sort of picking you up on this point, there are things you say that I think not everyone of your, your age even says. It's like, like you, 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 you are very clearly aware that there is institutional racism. That's something that not everyone from your generation will agree on. Okay. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you where I learned institutional racism. <laughs> when I was on the course here last year, the first time I heard the word, I'll be honest with you, I'm not even going to lie. first time I heard the word, and I thought, what does this mean? I said, I've never heard of this before. Uh, and then they gave you this stat in football. They go, I think there's about 25% of like, you know, black footballers in the premiership, right, or across all football, right, playing players. But only 3% are in managerial positions. So they said, do you understand what institutional racism means? It means that as a football player, you can play. But when you get into a management position, there's that glass ceiling. Yeah. It's like you play for 10, 15 years and then you go and do another job because you can't get into a football nada, manager. Nada That's a glass ceiling, right? Yeah, yeah. So would you say my understanding of institutional racism is quite clear? Just would you say, is that my understanding of it? I'll ask a question in response to that. You were one of England's best ever cricketers and now you are navigating the sports media world. How have you found it getting jobs that aren't where you are brought on, not just to talk about race, but just cricket? How have you been finding it? Well, look, I've been, I've been, since my book was released, The Full Monty, during that World Cup, I was continually reviewing and, and doing previews. I do it on, on the India games and the England games. So I, I haven't, it's only been recently now where I've just talked a little bit about racism because the simple fact was, is that, Monty, how come you, know, you play for England, being a British Asian? Um, what, they just want to know my journey, my personal journey, right? And what I'm trying to say is my personal journey is not a reflection of British Asian society. Yes. So please don't mix the two, you know, that's my experience from it. But then I also, I think through education, like being on the course last year here and, and, and educating myself, I think you learn a lot more. You learn a lot more about society. Sometimes, you know, being in, in your cricket bubble, you think that's how the world is, but that's not the case. Yeah. The world is not like that. The world is completely different to the cricket bubble. You know, everyone who, who we play cricket with, actually loves the game of cricket and we play get, play together, we have that, you know, yeah. let's say camaraderie or whatever. And, there, and, and there's some players within that who you know, ex, have experienced it and it's been kind of probably more the fringe players, right? And, and, and unfortunately, that's, that's, it's sad that that shouldn't happen, you know? We, some people should do something about yeah. that. Um, but I think through education, you learn a lot more, a lot more about actually where it sits in society. Yeah, and my, sorry to interrupt, but my almost concluding point on the matter of racism is as ra- I personally think racism is straightforward sexism is straightforward any form of bigotry is straightforward when we say oh people need to get educated they need to go to seminars and all that, I think it's not that difficult I, it's in my opinion it's a straightforward issue and you just need to open your ears and listen this is where I think I mean, this is where even among us, we're not uh, monolith. Like I said, I don't think I agree with it being that simplistic. I think it's a lot more complicated than that. I think there's loads of different. It, it then becomes nuanced. No, just no, like, like, like for example, I never heard the term critical race theory. Yeah. Now, critical race theory, I heard when I was on the course last year. So. That when you when you go into these sort of deeper things and people mm. have written books about it, there's, there's a book John Barnes has written yeah. you know, recently on racism. Michael Holding has. Now, when you read through their experiences and you, and you educate yourself, then you may well, you may think actually, gosh, in you know, a society, 
it's slightly different to how I really saw it. Do you know what I mean? And and that's what I think. I think people are. I think we're in a place of the next few years where people will be looking to educate themselves more because they just think that's what they need because they don't really have the answers. Yeah, it's interesting about education. I think firstly, how you spoke about when it's about your media career and how it's like now people are asking you about race and asking now they're it's like how many uh, sort of pieces did you have on like looking at your career before the Rafiq thing did, did, was it sort of the focus were you mainly doing previews of games before that yeah look I've, I've always I always enjoyed doing a preview and a review of a game because it means that in my mind it's quite simple I watch the game I, I major highlights on it do that and then if it's a preview do that as well which I found quite easy to do um, so I've always been asked about that and um, yeah going forward it'll be interesting to know <laughs> I can answer your question in the next six months yeah. when, yeah. When, I, when, I, when I develop a media yeah. career and, and these are my goals and suddenly let's say you know I'm not getting let's say these opportunities in the next six or twelve months then I may have a different view on it you know so it'll be interesting to see you know how, how the next few months goes okay because what I want to allude to then is if loads of newspapers and, and people in the media now want to know about your story of a Britain Asian cricketer making it to England as soon as a British Asian cricketer speaks about racism and how that's held him back can you see the fact how people sort of uh, are using your story if they're only asking about it now when someone when another Asian is talking about it, struggling they're almost indirectly, regardless of whether you speak about racism or not, they're almost, by doing pieces on you, not, not, not a year ago, not, because you can always, your, your, your story is fascinating, you can always, they could do it at any time, people will always want to, like, you know, how many people name their pets, their kids after you, you're, you're a cult figure in English cricket, you've got 50 test caps, you're someone that they can always ask about, but they're not always asking about your story, if, like, beforehand, they're only asking about it when it's almost as if they're using your story. No, I, I think my stories. Everyone knows about my story. You know, I think it was just another, uh, you know, revisiting it and and just sort of saying that actually, you know, maybe you know other people's are different, you know, but I think um, I think since you know that article, I've had a lot of requests from British Asian cricketers, which I'm surprised. They go, can you put me into a nice club? Can you put me into this? Can you put me into that? Mm-hmm. So that which I didn't expect, but I guess, I guess I, I see your point is that you know when 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 people in British Asians look up to me, they think, yeah, I see Monty Palliser make it into the England team. I can I can I can succeed in England in business, in you know any other aspect, sports or whatever. And I really hope that that does inspire them because. You know, that's what will make me really happy. Yeah, I think we could be all day, but yeah, I, I think... I just, wanna, I just... The idea, even then, British Asian cricketers are asking you to find a nice club. Isn't that... The fact that the solution is, instead of making all clubs nice, is to... Yeah, but, come on, Joseph, man, Rome wasn't built in a day, man. This is this, this, this what changes are going to happen. We are seeing changes, right? Yeah. Things will take time, you know, but... Are you, I think you guys are, you want, you want like things to happen really quickly. It will happen and it's yeah. going to probably happen. It'll take longer than you think, but changes will take place. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah I, I agree. I think that's a great ending point. I, I agree. Yeah, like you said, I think 
firstly, I think we, I like to say that I f like it's very clear that you're willing to learn. I think if we didn't get that from you when you spoke to you last time, we wouldn't have asked you to come onto this. And I frankly also just the fact that you you did the MA, the fact that you relate like relate by you. We I see you obviously as a you're a massive sports star, but also I relate to you in the fact that you are you were in my position. You were uh, you've done the masters. You've done what you were student. You actually looked into it. You've done the work required, and you know not many athletes do that in the first place, man. So yeah. and while we may not agree on many things, and I think we shouldn't agree on many things. I think that's, we, we don't agree on many yeah, things. we don't agree on many things. But I'm I'm glad we had you on. It was it was very interesting, and I learned a lot of stuff as well. All right, thank you. Um, we'll talk off the camera about some cricket. <laughs> so I'll just like to say thank you for the opportunity because I think it's about learning from each each other from different age groups, yeah. you know, which you you know learn a lot from, and you know you guys have been brilliant. So thank you so much for having me on the show. Thanks yeah, for coming. It's been a pleasure. That's it for Beyond the Pond today. We'll see you next time.